message in the imitation series. And I thought it would be fitting if I was to show off one of my favorite imitators in nature. One of the best, I think, which is the mimic octopus. Have you guys ever heard of the mimic octopus before? It's like uh, one or two feet long. It lives in like Indonesia, around the, the coral reefs and that kind of thing. I'll just show you a video on it. Okay. Don't laugh at my video, Aaron. The Mimic Octopus. It's a masterly quick change artist, altering not just its shape, but even its behavior to impersonate a whole range of other creatures. If danger threatens, a menacing color change is no problem. That crap's like, what's happening? <laughs> I'm just gonna go. Time to move on. So it alters its shape to imitate a flounder, flattening its body and matching the color of the sun. Isn't that a cool octopus? Yeah. I bet that phrase isn't something you're expecting to hear in a sermon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the sea snake one is, I saw some other videos too of it imitating a sea snake and like, like, like the stripes and it just, it's very convincing. Especially, I think if I was a fish, I would be scared. <laughs> so it's not every day that you see an animal taking on the appearance and behavior that's the, that's the interesting part. We see some other mimics, uh, like the uh, viceroy butterfly. looks just like a monarch, or very similar, except it has a little black line on the bottom of its inside wings. 
And we see some other animals like do imitations of appearance, but it's very unique for an animal to actually mimic the behavior of a completely different animal. And this octopus obviously gets out of some really tricky situations because of its ability to change its appearance and behavior. And that's really impressive to me because this octopus has learned that this octopus observed its environment and said, those fish and that snake don't get messed with. So I'm going to pretend to be those. <laughs> I'm going to pretend to act like those so that I can be safe. Which is just kind of crazy that something that doesn't even have a skeletal structure can do that. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. And it isn't something that it, like was born with. It learns this. through imitation it survives. And I think that we can do something similar with the early church. Now, we're not just trying to avoid problems. So we're just going to imitate the early church. But... We can learn and modify our behavior to what we see in Scripture to improve what we do here at North Kent. And when I say early church, I mean the church that we find in the New Testament. The movement within the first 60 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, what we have recorded in Scripture. And in these years, the foundation of the movement was laid. And the church was uh, free from a lot of the traditions and bad practices and things that kind of crept in over the last 2,000 years. And I'm not saying it was perfect, but it definitely didn't have some of the problems that we have. It had its own kinds of problems. We know that for sure because of the books that, for example, that Paul wrote to the churches. But I think we can learn some things from them. Certainly, I think we can learn about their attitudes and the culture of the church. I think that's what we can really take away from what we see in the New Testament. Like I said, it's not a perfect model. It's not what we should follow to the word. We should only do what we see in the, in the New Testament. But I think that we can learn some ways to survive, just like the mimic octopus does, if we follow the example in the New Testament church. So go ahead and turn with me to the book of Acts, and we're going to look at chapter 2. I was wondering why you guys were opening your Bible so quickly. I, you guys already saw it up there. <laughs> you guys already knew what I was going to say. So Acts chapter 2 is a very popular section to go look at when we're talking about the early church because this is where the church started. And at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 is when we see the disciples in the upper room and they're talking about uh, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit comes onto them, and they start speaking in different languages on the day of Pentecost, right? And they are talking to this crowd of people that are coming from all around the world for the festival, all these Jewish people, and they're talking to them in their own language, and they're all astonished, and they're saying, wow, look at this miracle. These guys are talking to us in a language they don't know about the wonders of God, and then some people don't really buy the miracle. They don't buy into what's going on. They say, oh, they're drunk. Like, they're just making stuff up. Whatever. And they're trying to dismiss what God is doing. And so this drives Peter to give a sermon, which it happens to be a very convicting sermon about how the Jews are the ones that killed Jesus, and he was attested by miracles, and they should believe him, and it goes on. And the miracle and the sermon are so convincing that 3,000 people come to Christ in one day, 3,000 people believe. And this is the start of the early church. In the last few verses, you guys already know, 42 through 47 here, tell us what this early church did. 
So let's go ahead and read that. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So notice that this is a list of what is happening in the New Testament church. And by my count, there are nine characteristics listed here. And my counting could be off. You could maybe put some of these together and have fewer numbers or break them apart and have more numbers. But these are kind of the things that I see, the nine things that are listed here as to what the the early church did, the characteristics of the early church. So number one, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? They fellowshiped. Miracles were taking place through the apostles, so they are observing miracles. People who believed were physically together, number four. Number five, those who used their, they used their own resources, personal resources to take care of the people who needed it. Number six, they were breaking bread slash taking communion. Number seven, they were eating together outside of communion. They were eating meals. Number eight, they were praising God. Number nine, all this happened while they remained in good standing with the people around them. They, they remained in good standing with their community. Obviously, there were some people upset about their teachings and what was going on, but it wasn't like they were causing riots. They weren't, you know, stealing things. They weren't, they weren't messing up the community. They were peaceful. So now, another thing I noticed from this passage is that it says that this was happening day by day. And this phrase makes it sound like These were daily occurrences. These things were happening on a day-to-day basis. Now, I think this makes total sense. Let's say you knew nothing about Jesus. You knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. You just happened to go back to your hometown, and then all of a sudden, people start talking to you in another language, and this guy gives this really convicting sermon, and lots of people are getting baptized. It's a super exciting time. Like this, This was a momentum builder, for sure. This is kind of like the opening day of the church. And right after this miracle of Pentecost, I think things were extremely exciting. And so I think things were happening day by day. Like, let's just keep this going. Like, people, it says people kept coming to faith. People were, kept being baptized. They would go from house to house. They would be teaching in the temple. Like, this was a really big thing right at the beginning. But as life went on, I think it kind of got into more of a routine. So, like, this is like the kickoff event. Here, But now, it's how do we live our lives on a daily basis? Because Christians, it's not like every Christian convert just sold everything they had and stopped working, right? Christians still needed to work. They still needed places to sleep. They still needed to take care of their families. Life still had to happen, even though their life had been changed. And so that's when I think people uh, started to have some more structure to what was going on. As we see in Acts 20.17, later in the development of the early church, it says, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. 
So Paul's about to give a message here, but the important part is that it says on the first day of the week. When we gathered together to break bread. Now I think this is when we start seeing the structure of once a week meetings, and the Sabbath ended on Saturday night. That was the last day of the week. The first day of the week is Sunday, so people also think that's why we meet on Sunday morning. So if you ever wondered, hey, why are we here on Sunday morning instead of Monday or Wednesday or whatever? It's because that's what they did here in the New Testament, because we are imitating the early church in this way. Now, I don't necessarily think that is bad to meet on other days, but this is just what they did. I think a weekly meeting is a good idea. So let's add that to number 10 on our list. Weekly meetings, things that the early church did. Now, I want us to take this list that we see here. This, I mean, there are other things that happened. We could go on. We could do some more exploration. But I think this is kind of the basis of what the early church did. So I want us to take a look at these characteristics, and I want us to apply them to North Camp Bible Church. I want us to, to reflect in the mirror and see how did these things happen here today. And as a basic, uh, or as a quick qualifier there are obviously going to be some differences between the early church and modern-day church just because of technological developments and differences in culture. For example, we use a projector, but the first-century church didn't have a projector. So I'm not really interested in those differences. I'm more interested in the cultural and attitude and the practices kind of things. So let's go through this list here. List here. Number one, are we devoted to the apostles' teachings at North Kent? Yes, I think we are. We spend time here in sermons, maybe too much time, some of you think. We spend time in Sunday school, we have kids' church, we have midweek groups, and we study the apostles' teachings and the Old Testament writings. And I think that we can safely lump the apostles' teachings, the New Testament writings, the Old Testament, all of that I think we can lump into Scripture. And here at North Kent... We study Scripture. Sure, we use other resources to help us understand Scripture, to give us perspective, to give us understanding, but it's Scripture that we're studying. It's Scripture that is our authority. It's what guides us. What guides our thinking, and it's what guides our teaching, it's what guides our practice. So we do the best job we can studying it, but I think there's always room for improvement, Right? So that's why we're adding some new things starting in September, right? We're going to be adding Sunday school. We're going to be adding a home group. These are times where we can come together and study more, where you can ask questions. You can engage with Scripture. And, of course, there's always your own Scripture reading. And that leads us to number two. Do we fellowship? What does fellowship even mean? It pretty much just means getting together for a good time, a time that is a friendly gathering, but it's also meant to edify and build up and to encourage. So we come together as a family, as a group, and we encourage each other, and that's something that we do here at North Kent all the time. We do that before service starts. We do that during snack time. We do that after service. We do that when we visit each other and hang out with each other outside the church. And we also have special events and times built into our schedules for this, like our cookout after church today. Like I said, we can be better at this. So, once again, that's why we're doing these Sunday school groups and home groups coming in September, so that we can increase our fellowship. 
Do we have signs and wonders being performed by the apostles? Well, we don't have any apostles of the original uh, 12 plus Paul here at our church. So that's not really happening in the same way. We don't see uh, the same kinds of miracles happening as we did at Pentecost in the book of Acts with the apostles. However, I think we do see miracles in a different way. By a show of hands, how many of you guys have ever heard of someone being healed from a diagnosis that the doctor said were impossible or extremely unlikely to be healed from, right? I think we can all say, we have heard of a miracle saying, we had scans, there was this tumor or whatever. A week later, scans were taken, it was gone. How does that even happen? No one knows. The doctors say it's impossible, right? We've heard of those things happen. And we see miracles in other ways, how we are taken care of, how things just happen to pop up when they need to right? There's not very much circumstance when God does things. So we might, be, might not be seeing the apostles healing everybody or whatever in the same way that they did in the book of Acts, but we, see, we still see God's intervention in North Kent in miraculous ways, albeit different ways. Number four, are we physically together? Obviously. Yes, here we are. We are physically together right now, and we meet every week. And we see each other outside of church. But as we said, it could be done better, which is why we have groups that we are making. So we spend more time physically together. Number five, do we use our resources to help each other? Yes, we do. The weekly givings that you guys graciously pour out go back on many occasions to the people in this church who need it on different occasions. And we sometimes even have special giving when something really big comes up. And not to mention, we have lent each other all kinds of tools and times and trailers and all kinds of stuff, experience and expertise when people of our church have needed it. And I think we do a pretty good job of taking care of each other in North Kent. Number six, do we take communion? Yes, we do, once a month. Do we share meals? This, there's hardly anything we like to do more together. <laughs> We love to eat together. I think that's just a people thing. Here at North Kent, we're really good at it. We're doing it right after church today. And with our home group, we're planning on doing it more once a, once a week on Tuesday nights. Number eight, do we praise God and worship together? Yes, we do. Every single Sunday. That's a main part of our service that we have. Does our community think well of North Kent? Now, I think so although I haven't taken a survey of Rockford to ask everybody, but I think the people who know us would say they like us. I know that Three Angels has a high view of our church. We definitely don't have a bad reputation. It's not like, what do you guys think of North Camp Bible Church? You ask someone like, oh, you don't want to go there. So we don't have a bad reputation. I think we're in good standing. It's not like we cause mischief. I mean, some of us maybe are a little mischievous, but we don't cause community mischief. We're fun. And do we meet weekly? Number 10, do we meet weekly? Yeah, we do. And I think that's really important that we have these regular meetings. I don't think it's feasible for us to meet every single day. That would be hard. But we can do a couple times a week. That seems really doable. So here's some things I think I want us to take away from this message. And hopefully, with a little bit of application, this will bring you closer to being a more involved Christian. Here's, I think, the first thing that this really showed me. 
something that was on my heart this week. Church is more than just a Sunday morning service. Amen. This is where I think many Christians get their ideas wrong. And I think we can sometimes fall into it as well. In fact, people say they go to church, right? But you can't go to church. Right. We are the church. If you, if you said in the New Testament, the early church, hey, we're going to church, they'd be like, what do you mean you're going to church? You can go to a meeting of the church. So like there's a board, you can go to a board meeting, but the board isn't when you go there, right, to that meeting. The board is the group. We are the church. And you can either be a member of the church or you're not. You can't just go to church. It's not like you can just go to the YMCA, right? You are the church. And to be quite honest, going to church once a week doesn't automatically make you a part of the church. And it doesn't make you a Christian. Going to service on a consistent basis is important. And that's what members of the church do. But that isn't the whole thing. You need to be invested in what's happening in the church. That means you give of your time and your resources. You're involved in prayer for the membership, thinking about them, talking with them, living life with them. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you just have to spend all your time here because we also have other things going on in our lives as well. And there's also different seasons of our life where our involvement changes, right? You used to maybe be a part of the Acorn pickup crew, but now you're a part of the, hey, let's plan a Sunday school class crew. It, it changes from season to season, from day to day, year to year. Your involvement in the church looks different, and that's okay, but there still needs to be some kind of involvement. Sometimes you can pour more into the church. Sometimes you just need to be here and heal, right? Sometimes you just need to be taken care of, and that's okay too. But to put it simply, being a part of a church is more than just observing a service. It's giving back to the whole. It's participation. And I think that's something that American Christians miss the most, right? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church every Sunday. So what? You know, what do you do outside of that? That's a good, important part of it. But what do you do outside of that, just attending that service for once a week? And once again, I want to qualify my statement. Not being here every single Sunday is okay. It's not like if, you're not, if you miss a Sunday or whatever, you're not out. It's okay to have something else to do. It's okay to spend time enjoying other things. It's not like you have to spend 20 hours a week here working every single week. But that also means, but on the flip side of the coin, you have to be involved. You have to be doing something if you want to consider yourself a part of the church. Because to be a part of the church means that you're a member who participates. Number two, I think this is showing me that we need to take advantage of church opportunities, right? If, if being a part of the church means participating, take advantage of the opportunities to participate. There are many people who put a lot of time and work into making opportunities for us to be a church. It's not just me, it's everybody here who volunteers to get things done. There's a lot of work that goes into making this building physically ready for worship every single week, every single Sunday. And there's a lot of people who are putting a lot of work into making snack 
and preparing his kids' class for your kids to go to, preparing Bible lessons for you to learn from and grow from, preparing service opportunities for you to help in. And these things, like the Sunday school small groups that we're starting in September and the home group that we're starting in September, are church activities. They're church opportunities. How do you be part of the church? You participate in what the church is doing. And you should take advantage of that. I want you to be a part of the church. I want you to show up and participate and grow in a relationship with your fellow brothers and sisters. And think about contributing yourself. How can I give to what is going on here? That's what it means to be part of the church. And I promise you, if you participate, if you show up, you will grow with your fellow brothers and sisters and your relationship with God will grow as well. And the last thing this really showed me is that the church is what we rely on. Don't be afraid to rely on the church. We all come in times of trouble, right? Trouble abounds. It's all around us. Things get messed up. People get hurt. You make mistakes. Whatever. Rely on the church. That's what it's here for. God didn't expect us to walk this walk of faith by ourselves And there are many people all around the world who are isolated believers. They don't have people to rely on. They don't have an intimate church family like we have. We are, I don't think you realize how extremely blessed we are to have the group of people that we do have here. Rely on the church. In the midst of persecution and poverty, like they saw in the first century church, that, the church is what they had. They had God and they had the church. And in 21st century America, we rely on, I think, technology and medicine and wealth and social programs, which aren't bad. Those things aren't bad. We should participate in those things, but we shouldn't let those be our our whole support. Let the church support you as well. And on the flip side of that coin, you need to be there to help others when they need it. I think... Us taking care of each other is just a branch off the promise that God made, that he's going to take care of his people. And I think one way he does that is with his people. So over the last three weeks, we've learned that imitation is a powerful tool, right? We've learned that it can help us, it can benefit us, or it can drag us down. We can imitate God, we can imitate his son, Jesus, and we can imitate other members of faith, And we can grow, or we can imitate the world and the people of this world, and we can be dragged down. We also learned that we can imitate the early church. And in many ways, I think we're doing that really well at North Kent. But just like with our personal walks of faith, I think there's room for us to grow a church, as a church. I think we can do church better. We can be a better church, a better body. And there will never be a time when we reach the pinnacle. We're never going to be like, oh, here we are. We're the best church we can be. We should always be thinking, hey, how can we grow in the pursuit of love and fellowship and praise and learning? How do we never cease meeting together? How do we be a family in a group? God built this system for a reason. He made us come together for a reason, and we shouldn't forsake that. So let's band together. Let's become the church that God wants us to be. Let's learn from the people in the New Testament, both good and bad. They made mistakes. Let's learn from those. Let's learn in pursuit of God's, to be God's holy temple.
Let's learn in pursuit of being priests and a people called by his name. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the ways that you've worked in history, that we can look at people of faith and realize what we should be doing in our daily lives. I pray that you give us the opportunity to be together, to worship you, to learn and grow, and give us what we need to take advantage of those opportunities. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.